0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Rochester, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. And Shaq is going down this Saturday in New York, two former lightweights up at welterweight, and the winner is going to be in that top five.
1: <laughs> Man, uh, between you and me, we know neither guy's going to be in the top five in the real scheme of things. But yeah, we know we get to see a former champion, Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, I, I always watch when that guy fights because uh, in my opinion, he's one of the, the most well-rounded guys to ever do. the first Brazilian lightweight uh, champion. I remember the run he went on to accomplish that. And uh, it was quite a run, you know, he went up to 70, saw some early excess, and then uh, ran into the number one and number two guy at welterweight. So now he's fighting uh, a funny guy, Kevin Lee. (laughs) Kevin Lee, uh, he's a character, and uh, Kevin Lee's a guy that's always, you know, had potential, and now he's moving up in weight. He had some rough weight cuts at 55, so let's see how he looks. Man, I'm really excited for this fight. It's going to be a lot of fun while it lasts, but could you imagine if
0: Kevin Lee won this fight, (laughs) and then they put him in there with guys like Eliza Zaleski, Vicente Luque, and the funny part... here is that if Kevin wins this fight, he's going to be ranked ahead of Santiago Ponzanibio, <laughs> ahead of Vicente Luque, Eliza Zaleski, Robbie Lawler, all these guys. Could you imagine what would happen if he fought those guys, Shaq?
1: Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's the beauty of the game. We're going to get to find out. He, he's got to beat Rafael Dos Anos first. Look, if he gets through this one, then uh, he, he's fucked. But uh, if, he loses this <laughs> one, <laughs> if he loses this one, he can somewhat salvage things and go back to 55s. So, uh, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, and then in other news, you know, I was really looking forward to that Vicente Luque versus Neil Magny fight. But as as you guys probably heard, Neil Magny was on that uh, dihydroxy.
1: What, what what's the shit called? He's on that dihydroxy dash LGD. Dash forty dash thirty three, and he got caught red-handed. You know, it, it's so funny uh,
0: hearing people say that Neil's innocent. How do you know? You know the guy personally, because uh, how many times have you accidentally taken dehydroxy uh, GHD forty thirty three? You know what I'm saying? Look, all I gotta say about that thing is, look, if any of my sponsored athletes, uh, Jared Gooden, Emmanuel Sanchez, Robert King Hill, any of these guys. Test positive for dihydroxy GHD 4033. (laughs) It's not going to be a pleasant phone call. I'm just telling you that. It'd be like... I mean, Shaq. Let me ask you this: How often do you accidentally
1: take a dihydroxy GHD forty thirty three, my man? That just sounds like something you gotta go seek out, you know. Doesn't sound like something you can accidentally take. And my boy Neil Magny <laughs> accidentally bent over, accidentally got the needle well, in because, his ass. Because he's skinny, he's innocent. Because, because he's because he's a nice guy, he's innocent. Like,
0: a nice guy that you don't <laughs> even know.
1: And, and the funny thing
0: here is that when you look at that fight against Santiago Ponzanibio, the biggest beatdown you've ever seen in your life. And we can just talk about the four round beatdown. We don't even got got to talk about the faceplant KO that's just That just adds insult to injury. And then it's like, hey, guess what, Neil? We're not going to give you another Craig
1: Y. We're not going to give you a Diego Sanchez. Here's Vicente Luca. <laughs> and so, originally, it was going to be Eliza. So, look, they're looking to set Neil up. He knows that this is probably the last fight was in the top 15. I'm, I'm, negotiations might be coming up soon. He needed an extra edge. I mean, look, man. It <laughs> you know, between you and me, as soon as he got that call to fight Eliza, he was already making <laughs>
0: phone calls to every doctor in Colorado, you know? So... Uh, I mean, that's all it comes down to, man. Uh, I wish him the best. I hope he can fight us so we can fade him in his return very soon and not have to wait another
1: two to four years. You know what I mean, Shaq? Yeah, just take your eight-month suspension and and let's book uh, the Eliza
0: fight. And maybe you can get a better (laughs) masking agent next time you want to take dihydroxy GHD 4033, my man. let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the featherweight division we got Julio Arce he's 15 and 3 and Julian Arosa is 22 and 7 currently Julio Arce is minus 730 the comeback on Julian Arosa is plus 515 well Shaq I mean I kind of understand why he's a big favorite the question here is do you think this line is warranted do you think there's a little value on the dog or do you think Julio Arce should actually be a bigger
1: favorite here yeah, you know, I feel like Arce is going to win this fight outright, no matter by any means necessary, man. I think that Julian Arosa is a, uh, you know, a low-level UFC fighter. I think that uh, his first stint in the UFC, he got KO'd stiff, and then uh, he worked his way back. want to a fight on contender series against emers a fight that you know was very ugly uh and you know when he got to the ufc he took a nap against king cage and then the the fight with dawson he kind of fought a specialist but he got 30 26 i just think Erosa is a low caliber ufc fighter i think this is probably his last fight in the company i think arce is better than him in every aspect of the game cardio striking wrestling jujitsu erosa fights with his hands completely down for a guy with no chin i mean he is very confident with, fighting <laughs> with his hands down and uh you know like i said he's Got no chin, so I see Arce coming out here and rolling through Arosa rather quickly, you know, as long as he shows up. But even if he doesn't show up, I still think he uh, wins the 15-minute battle, man. We saw Arosa's cardio his last fight. I think is a lot more efficient. Yeah, he's coming off a loss to Shaman Marais. Imagine what Shaman Marais would do to uh, <sighs> Julian Arosa if they ever got locked in a cage. <laughs> uh, under 1.5 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I got Arce. Um, and I do think it could be a, a bigger favorite, you know? Yeah, I mean,
0: this is one of those fights where it was like, look, Julio, you You've been super exciting. You beat all these guys like Dan Ige, who was really an emerging prospect, had that amazing fight with Shaman Marais, beat Peter Pettys on Contender Series. Here's Julian Arosa on a silver platter. And, I mean, basically, Julian Arosa, he hasn't evolved at all since his first UFC stint. They kick him out the UFC, he goes out there, gets knocked out by some 5-4 and four guy on the regional scene, wins a couple of fights, wins that controversial decision over Paddy Pimblett, and now he's back, and uh, it's time to take that third L in a row. I mean, look, Julian Arosa, for a guy that's six foot one. we talk about, hey, a six foot one featherweight, what can this guy do? This is what he can do. He can leave his chin straight up in the air and his hands down, throws a bunch of uppercuts without setting them up, and there was a moment in that Grant Dawson fight. Because you know Grant Dawson, he's a takedown specialist. He's a relentless wrestler. He takes you down a 100 times every fight. Well, there was a point in that second round where Grant Dawson hit a fatigue wall. And it was like, Julian, this is your window of opportunity. Go get the guy real quick. And then Julian's throwing these uppercuts without setting him up. And then it's Julian that's getting rocked against a guy who has no striking whatsoever. And it's like, Julian, oh my god. The one thing he did nicely in that fight was, you know, the first time he got taken down, he attacked for a triangle. And after that, he never did anything ever again. So, look, based on... You know, the technical aspect, Julio Arce, he fights with his hands up. He fights with his chin down. And uh, people say he's chinny. Why? Because he got dropped by Shaman Marais, one of the hardest hitters in the division. I don't think he's chinny at all. And one thing I really like about Julio Arce is, yeah, he can give it, you know what I'm saying? The guy can mix it to the body, the guy can go upstairs, he can wrestle, he can do jujitsu, he can strike, but the kid can take it too. And that's a huge difference between him and Julian Arosa. So I, I got uh, Julio Arce via he knockout here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got Trevin Giles. He's 11 0, and Zach Cummings is 22 6. Currently, they got Trevin Giles, minus 160. The comeback on Zach Cummings is plus 140. Well, man, Trevin Giles is a dude that not only has he been beating everyone that's been put in front of him inside the UFC, but outside the UFC beat guys like Ryan Spann, Brendan Allen. So now he's coming in here against Zach Cummings, the former welterweight. Who you got?
1: Yeah, this is going to be a step up for Trevin in comparison to his two UFC opponents, James Boschnevich, who, I mean, Trevin actually put that guy out on a stretcher, and then (laughs) literally, (laughs) he put a, you know, uh, Boschnevich never recovered, and Boschnevich's a complete can, not UFC level, and then he fought uh, Braganetto, who was coming off a three-year layoff. He's coming off a gambling problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, and Braganetto, man, he's one of those jiu-jitsu guys that once he gets tired, he becomes a zombie, a punching bag, and Trevin was able to just jab his head off and uh, eventually knock him out. He did get taken down a couple times. I've noticed that's something that he has struggled with in the past. And when he fought Ryan Span, that fight could have went either way. Span controlled him for the majority of that fight on the mat. But one thing about Trevin, man, uh, he knows how to win. You know, I would say that he's arguably a little green. He'll make up for it with the athleticism. And he's a winner, man. The guy knows what he has to do to win. For example, Span's controlling him for the majority of the fight. But at the end of every round, you know, when Spann, uh would lose that, lose that back, Trevin would get up on the feet and just start teeing off man so this guy uh, knows how to make up the points back so he's a smart guy cummings you know he's a he's a tough guy you know i, I kind of classify cummings as one of just these rugged uh He's a rugged white boy, man. <laughs> he's a, uh, you know, he blocks punches with his head, uh, and it's it, he's one of those guys that can take flush KO blows to the chin. You know, uh, I don't know what it, what it is, but that's just what he does. It's too bad him and Barb never <laughs> happened at 170, <laughs> yeah. though. He can just take flush KO blows to the chin, no problem. And it, it, after all his fights, it looks like his. Uh, One of his eyes are closed or his face is covered in blood. He's just a tough, tough guy. And his jiu-jitsu, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well. We saw him uh, submit Yakovlev... uh I think he got another submission I can Uh Nathan Coy. So, yeah, so he's got some jujitsu. He's a well-rounded fighter, a lot more experienced than Trevin. But as far as how they match up, I see Trevin being the more athletic guy. I see Cummins' defense being a little lacking. But like I said, the guy's got a good chin. He's going to rely on. If he wants to test that with Trevin, that's going to be interesting. But the, the thing with, in this fight is Trevin's chin is going to be tested, too, because Cummins can hit, man. The guy, uh, you know, his fight with Trevor Smith, it was definitely an ugly fight. And Trevor Smith, you know, does lose the majority of his fights. But, uh, man, they were swinging hard in there, man. And like I said, Trevin, a lot of his fights, you know, I, I don't want to say he's green, but there's still... uh Let's just say Cummings has got a lot more experience, so I think uh, Trevin's a better athlete. So I'm gonna pick him in this fight. I think he's a little younger, a little less damage taken. He's coming off a big layoff, which worries me. It's not a confident pick, but I'm gonna go with Trevin.
0: This is a really interesting fight because Zach Cummings, ever since that uh, fight with Ponzinibbio, I kind of felt like he took so much damage in that fight. But you know, he's one of these blockheads. Down the line, I want to see Zach Cummings versus Marvin Vittoria. Uh, let's see, <laughs> let's see who can eat more shots to the face. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. But look here with Trevin Jow yeah he's a little bit not green but he's still developing you know what i mean but man he's the superior athlete here a lot more physical and at the end of the day i just think he's got more left in the tank so i actually do see him winning the step up in competition and uh, i got trevin giles for the victory as well now next up in the light heavyweight division we got patrick cummins he's 10 and 6 and ed short fuse herman is 22 and 14. Currently, they got Patrick Cummins, minus 255. The comeback on Ed Herman is plus 215. Uh, Shaq, you going uh, with the guy that has one tooth, or are you going with uh, my boy uh, Ed Shortfuse. Shortfuse Herman that lost to Volante CB and Stevie
1: uh, Dollar? And Dollar. <laughs> Man, this is an interesting fight. So, obviously, you know, when you see Pat Cummins with a line that wide, you're like, whoa. You know, what's the issue here? But, uh, I mean, look, Ed's kind of been having similar, you know, scenarios like this. When he fought CB Dalloway, I think he was a similar line, plus 190, plus 200. And at the time, everyone was like, whoa. Like, And uh, he went out there and caught CB with some shots, but he got laid on, and he couldn't handle that high Division I uh, wrestling pace. You know, even with these guys like CB and Pat, even though they're old as fuck, Pat's 38, I think. uh, I mean, KO losses to OSP, Cormier uh little nog over glover Glover, got finished in the first round by circonoff beat down by Corey. Corey, i mean he has taken some severe whoopings but he beat Blackovich and he beat carlos jr and he beat so uh look he can wrestle no matter what no matter what no matter how old he is if he can like get into that type of grind he's gonna be able to at least against a guy like ed you know who uh doesn't uh like that wrestling pace but ed's best hope is to just catch him and hopefully knock him out and that's a very good possibility so i do think there's a little bit of value but if this fight hits the second and third uh i just don't know how you can expect ed to be uh operating at a pace like uh patrick uh patrick cummins's past opponents man we're talking circling off who even though he's not ranked i mean he's still a top 20 guy uh you know black uh not blackovich but uh volante Vla- uh I mean, I'd lost to Volante, (laughs) but Cummins beat Volante, man. So uh, it's a tough fight, but I'm going to go with Patrick. I think uh, he'll wrestle, but he might get sparked unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Pat Cummins, man.
0: (laughs) you know he's working the coffee shop then they give him a call and uh two days later you got to fight dc and i feel like that's really set the tone for his entire career i mean look he's overperformed in some spots he beat antonio carlos jr beat Jan Blachovic. so he did he did a couple things but it's kind of uncomfortable watching this guy fight because he takes so much damage and it's just like he's kind of tough so he won't just go down right away he'll keep trying to take more and it's just it's really hard to watch man and with ed herman i mean the guy is <laughs> as slow as molasses. You know, the guy's stuck in the mud in a way where, I mean, he's out here losing a C.B. Dalloway and shit, you know what I'm saying, to Volante. So it's, like, embarrassing. But that being said, man, Throughout his career, he's got 60% takedown defense. And one thing I noticed about Pat Cummins is even when he takes guys down, he doesn't really hold them down unless they're completely gassed. And that could be a possibility here. But uh, I I think it should be lined a little little bit closer. I'm going to take Ed Herman via vicious KO here. Next up in the featherweight division, we got Mike Trezano. He's 8-0. And Grant Dawson is 13-1 currently they got mike trezano minus 130 the comeback on grant dawson is plus 110 well Shaq, you got the point fighter trezano versus the relentless wrestler grant dawson which way you going
1: it's gonna be a good fight you got two young guys trezano he's coming off that fight with pena it was a very good performance pena's a a wrestler as well probably not as hell-bent as dawson is but he stuffed the he got taken out maybe once or twice but he got back up he attacked off his back and i mean he's a solid Typical Tiger Shulman, point fighter, well-rounded. I mean, the guy can he can wrestle. I mean, he's you know I feel like his weakness is he might be a little bit too calm at times. Sometimes, a guy's with that style when they're fighting a hell bent guy like Dawson, if he falls behind, it's kind of going to be uh, hard for him to come back because he's so like I said, a point fighter, you know, he's not necessarily going to be throwing KO blows out there to uh, come back. So Dawson, I feel like this fight is close to a pickem him for a reason. Dawson, like he's a specialist, a takedown specialist. And uh, I think he had a a D1 scholarship to Nebraska, but he he quit to uh, do MMA. So, I mean, we're seeing those takedowns out here. It's going to be a it's a tough fight. I, I I agree with it kind of being close to pick him, man, just because I respect that style, uh, and Dawson, I mean, he clearly has a knack for getting takedowns, man. <laughs> I'm sure the DraftKings, uh, the DraftKings guys love Grand Dawson, so, you know, I do worry that if Trezano gets up, which he has shown in all of his fights that he can get up, Trezano has gotten taken down in pretty much all his fights, except maybe, like, one, including tough. but, uh, When he gets back up, man, his point fighting is so sharp that these guys get frustrated and then he makes them look really off balance. He makes them look really silly and uh, has them shooting from far away, kind of like Pena. It's going to be interesting, man. I feel like Dawson sets his takedowns up a lot better, but his striking is definitely nowhere near the level of So. It's a tough fight. I, I I slightly lean Trezano, but I acknowledge, man, it could go the other way 100%. Man, uh, Dawson's got that wrestling, and you got an aggressor, a guy that's going to be pushing, tying up. He's going to be the aggressor in this fight, so he, he's got the clear path to victory. But I slightly lean Trezano. I think his striking is going to be too clean. I think I noticed that uh, when Arosa kicked Dawson in the calves after they got up, he went to the floor. His, uh, his calves didn't like it, and Trezano's got some really good calf kicks, so I'm going to go with Trezano. Man, both guys are super talented at what
0: they do they both bring something very different to the table obviously we already mentioned the point fighting of Mike Trezano and the relentless wrestling of Grant Dawson so you know I I feel like first L time is coming for both these guys very soon it's just about being able to capitalize in the right spot and this fight specifically well look man We've seen John Gunther take down Trezano. We've seen Joe Giannetti take down Trezano. We've seen Luis Pena take down Trezano. Now, granted, he was able to get back up and beat all those guys. But with Grant Dawson, he might not have the wrestling credentials of some of these guys. But, man, I can tell you what, for MMA wrestling, this kid uh, will put guys on their butt over and over and over again. He can keep going. But, man, it seemed like in that second round against Julian Arosa, maybe it was... uh, Cause he kicked his ass so badly in that in the first seven and a half minutes.
1: It's because he's he's not one of those uh, you know just regular takedown guys that just want to land guard. He's the type of guy that has to pick you up, lift you up, all up in the air, and uh, you run in the middle of the cage like Matt Hughes.
0: Yeah, he's he's got to do it. He's got to exaggerate <laughs> with it. Me. You know what I mean? Uh, so that could be a problem. You know, if this hits the second round and Dawson ain't got the same win, and Trezano starts getting off on some strikes. But the thing is. I want to see more urgency from Trisano. I want to see, you know, once he starts getting back up in that second round, I want to see some vicious shots, some body shots, some big leg kicks. And I feel like he's too content to, you know, pick and poke and have fun out there, look cute. So I I see this being a super close fight. And like I said, I'm I'm down to fade Dawson with the right opponent because I know for a fact that... uh, when, uh, when this guy starts to gas a little bit and you put him in there with someone like... who uh, You put him in there with a guy like Sadiq Youssef. Uh, you put him in there with Matt Sales. You put him in there with Shaman. And he starts to slow down a little bit. That's when you go out there. You take the guy out. But Trezano... Man, he gets put on his back by way worse guys like my boy John Gunther. and No disrespect to Gunther. Look, Gunther beat King Cage. Gunther defended the first Davi Ramos choke attempt. So I got a lot of respect for that guy. But the reality here is I think Grant Dawson is a better wrestler. So I'm actually going to go with Dawson in this spot via split decision. But I think we can make talks about fading him. uh very, very soon, but I'm, I'm gonna take him to win this one just via more takedowns here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. He's 16 and four, and Michelle Pereira is 22 and nine. Currently, they got Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts minus two fifty five. The comeback on Mitchell Pereira is plus two fifteen. Shaq, you think uh, Mitchell Pereira is gonna come out here do a somersault off the off the fence and hammer fist, Danny Hot Chocolate?
1: Hot Chocolate, I'm not too high on him. Just overall, uh, I think he's a top. I think he's ranked number sixty four in the welterweight rankings. Uh, you know, he's got a five hundred. He's a five hundred fighter. You know, maybe slightly above five hundred. When you really look at his wins, we're talking in camp, not in the UFC. We're talking Dominique Steele, not in the UFC. We're okay. talking. Uh, Nathan Coy not in the UFC. We're talking uh Zawada about to about Zawada about to not be in the UFC. <laughs> so <laughs> Danny Hot Chocolate's just a serviceable guy, man. And then Pereira, he's twenty two and nine. They say he's twenty five years old. He he looks a little older than that to me, but uh you know, the somersaults and the and the jumping off the cage, the 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 wannabe Showtime thing, you know, it's cute and all, but, you know, when you're fighting guys by the name of Hai Jun Kim and, and Soo Jean, you know, and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, the fat Japs with uh, tennis shoes on there, <laughs> of course you can jump off the cage and do all that stuff, and it's cute, but personally, I think, uh, just when you take all that stuff out the picture, what does he really have? I think he's just a, a tough Brazilian, you know, I think that he has been KO'd recently, maybe, like, uh, early last year against, uh, it was that middleweight, but well, it sounds like they have something in common, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but you know, when we're talking about hot chocolate, man, this guy's very chinny, his cardio, I don't want to say a suspect, but the reason why he does get tired in his fights is because his striking, man, all he has is really is that jab overhand left and he puts everything into it. That's why when he does get his KO, it's generally very vicious. And, uh, when he doesn't get his KO, his fights are really close. I mean, like I said, that fight with Zawada was very back and forth and don't expect Zawada to win a UFC fight. <laughs> and then, uh, but I, I gotta go with Hot Chocolate here, man. I just think he's got more experience. Like I said, Pereira's gonna have to rely on something else than what he's been using to, uh, defeat those Japs down there. And, uh, I think Hot Chocolate should get the win as long as he doesn't get flashed. And I think that, uh, He'll probably get a late knockout here.
0: Man, so when I saw the highlights of Pereira, I was like, holy shit. You know, I mean, I called you right there. I was like, dude, this guy that does the somersaults off the cage and does hammer fists uh, just got signed to the UFC. I was super excited. But then you actually watch those fights and not just the highlights. And it's like, man, that shit would not cut it in the UFC. Now, what's interesting about this fight is that since Danny Hot Chocolate has that suspect chin, Maybe uh, Pereira can land something flashy. Look, if Pereira wins by knockout, I'm not going to be surprised here because, like I said, every single person that's fought hot chocolate besides that fraud end camp has rocked him. End so, you, know, you know, between <laughs> you and me, end camp rocked him, too. So, uh, but, uh, look, that being said, man, uh, I, I just – it's hard to gauge how Pereira is going to perform in the UFC. Like, like Shaq said, the level of competition he's been fighting is abysmal. Uh, The scene he comes from is not the best, and the moves he does don't seem like they'd be efficient inside the octagon. So that being said, unless he catches Danny Hot Chocolate here, I do not see Mitchell Pereira winning a long-term battle. It's KO or bust, so... And, and that's possible. Danny Hot Chocolate, like we said, man, the dude is beyond chinny. he got so.
1: two fifteen for a KO against a chinny guy, so
0: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you don't want to take that shot, I understand why, but all I gotta say is if he does not win by knockout, you're gonna be like, oh my god, Mitchell. And he's gonna start <laughs> flopping to his back. You know, he's gonna start doing the whole bit. So uh best of luck to you guys, I got Danny Hot Chocolate. Now next up in the lightweight division, we got Dez the Predator Green, he's twenty two and eight, and Charles Air Jordan. Is nine and one. Currently, they got Dez Green minus six fifty. The comeback on the former TKO champ Charles Air Jordan is plus four seventy five. Well, Shaq, I understand Dez being favored here over the newcomer. You know how these short notice opportunities have been going lately. But do you agree with him being minus six five in this spot? Green,
1: he finally he finally uh, performed the way he should have uh, his last fight for once <laughs> against Ross Pearson. Against the retired guy <laughs> against, uh, who ended up retiring. But uh, you know, I mean, in the past with T Tibau, man, he, he's, you know, he's getting caught with left hands and shit. So look, I, I don't think my thoughts on Des Green have changed. I, look, I understand why he's high because they just think he's gonna outright win this fight no matter what. But uh, Charles Charleston James, no such. Yeah, he's a featherweight, but man, the kid's scrappy. He can strike. Des Green, yeah, he's a Division One wrestler. I think he's a Division One conference champion uh, at Buffalo, and uh, he doesn't really use his wrestling as much as he should. He does at times. Um, yeah, he was fighting. <laughs> the Tyson models of the world and the tractors of the world so he's definitely seen a level of the sport that uh charles rudin could only dream of man but uh man i feel like from a betting perspective it's definitely dog or pass because this ain't ross pearson you know if you're if you're going based off that you know what i'm saying uh the kids of featherweight uh I mean, look—he's fought lightweights. He's knocked knocked lightweights out before his last two fights. So we'll see what the kid's got. I'm gonna take Des Green by split decision. I think he's gonna give all you guys a scare that put uh that put your accounts on him. And <laughs> I think he's gonna struggle to pull the trigger a little bit against this kid. And I think that you know with that hometown pressure of fighting in Rochester, I think this is his hometown. Look, we saw what happened uh in Brazil the other in Brazil the other day, man. When you're fighting that hometown, when you got mommy, auntie, you know, all the kids. Uh, little sister out there, man. (laughs) And they all asking for tickets and stuff, man. You could kind of lose focus. And then uh, when you step in that cage, it might be... uh, He's going to... This is definitely going to be one of... For Dez, from Dez's perspective, this is going to be one of those play it safe fights. He's going to get in there and be like, oh my God, I can't lose to this kid because who the fuck is he? And if I lose to this guy, my career is over. (laughs) So uh, expect Dez to struggle to pull the trigger. And I think uh, uh, Jordan's going to give a lot of people scares. But I'll take Dez by controversial split in his hometown, even though he's a guy that generally loses controversial splits (laughs) yeah look there
0: was a fight recently between nordine taleb and kyle Prepolek, and i feel like people kind of think this is that same situation and it might be i mean look maybe des green goes out there gives him the vet lesson but man this kid jordan is no slouch at all he's very aggressive he's very confident he's well-rounded i know the one area of his game that he kind of had issues with in the past was uh his takedown defense but man the kid seems like he scrambles back up to his feet he's also super young he's only 23 years old he's just a kid so he's been paying his dues for a while and I just love the kid's attitude I love the fact that he comes to fight you start to slow down on a guy like Air Jordan and all of a sudden he's throwing flying kicks at you he's uh throwing spins I mean the guy is very very dynamic very exciting with Des Green Look, I mean, you got to give him the edge here. The guy has paid his dues. Not only that, he's got the judges on his side in this one. I mean, Rochester, New York, if this is a close fight. They're,
1: split went his way last time. They're,
0: they're going to give <laughs> this split to uh, to Des Green in New York. You know what I'm saying? But uh, if you're out here laying minus 6-5 on Des Green, thinking that this is about to be some first-round finish because he beat Ross Pearson, <laughs> who is retired, uh, you might have another thing coming because this kid, Charles Jordan, is no slouch, like I said. So, I'm going to pick Dez via decision here, but this is a dog or pass situation. I do not view this like the Julio Arce fight or you know some of the other big favorites on this card. I feel like if one big favorite is going to fuck it up, uh, it might be my boy Dez Green. Uh, don't put it past him. I mean, he lost to Kurt Hollibur. Don't forget about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I got Dez via majority decision here. No guy that lost though. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got Aspen Ladd. She's seven and zero, and Sajara Eubanks is four and two. Currently, they got Aspen Ladd minus minus three ten. The comeback on Sajara Eubanks is plus two fifty five. Well, Shaq, I know you saw their first fight. It seemed a lot closer than minus three ten and plus two fifty five. Uh, do you think that this time Aspen Ladd gets a clear lead, or think it's gonna be close again?
1: man this is a good fight and uh, I'll go ahead and say I do think it could be lined closer look they got Sarge at plus 255 her losses are to Chook and Aspen and one thing that didn't happen the only girl that didn't get fully mounted and smashed on by Aspen was Sajara Eubanks they went three rounds Aspen had to outwork her uh I think uh Aspen might have been four 0 uh Sajara was like two and one she was training at Lloyd Irvin this is pre-tough pre Mark Henry Ricardo Almeida so I think Sajara I mean that's shown she's a complete Completely different fighter than the first time they fought and Aspen um I can't necessarily say she's a completely different fighter but you know it was good to see her that she does have another way to win um but man Sajar's gotten her boxing her striking has gotten completely leaps and bounds better since the first time they fought so uh I think that's going to make for a closer fight look uh, Sajara Eubanks is a Lloyd Irvin black belt. She ain't no, uh, look, let's just put it this way. This ain't Tanya Evinger and fucking Lena Landsberg. You know what I'm saying? Lena Landsberg, like, come on, man. That girl's like 40 years old. And then, uh, Tanya Evinger is like 40 years old. So, yeah, 45. <laughs> you know, Tanya Evinger, uh, Look, she was coming off, like, a horrific leg injury. She switched camps. I mean, the chick's done, man. That's why those two are actually fighting, uh, like, next week after this one. <laughs> uh, they got two old We're only going to see one of them again afterwards. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I feel like this is definitely a step up in competition for uh, for Lad in a, in a spot where she kind of has a lot to lose in comparison to the other ones, man. You know, the other the other ones are just kind of coming here. And, uh, I mean, Evinger's a big win by name, value, I guess, just because she's the former uh, Invicta champ. So I guess she had something to gain off that. But what does she really have to gain here, man? <laughs> I guess her ranking. This uh, is that she was gonna fight Holly Holm. I bet you she would have. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that she's not motivated. But is, is this she... like an alleged punishment for missing weight or something? She made weight her last fight. Oh, so what? Yeah. what the
0: fuck are people talking yeah. about?
1: She made her. She made weight her last fight, and Sajara missed weight her last fight. So now oh, Sajara... no, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Sajara missing weight. Oh. Is it? Well, let's see. We'll find out. But uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I actually don't see Aspen Lad fully mounting Sajara Eubanks. We're talking a, a high-level black belt, a black belt for several years, and uh, it was actually Sajara taking Aspen down in their first fight. You know, so. Uh, Aspen's going to have to find another way to win this fight, in my opinion. She's going to have to box and, and go head, toe-to-toe uh, inside the pocket for three rounds. So let's see if she does it. I don't think she's going to do it. I feel like people are overrating her as a prospect by these two wins. Yeah, she's fully mounted all these girls except Eubanks. But look, like I said, this ain't fucking Tanya, Avenger, and fucking... I mean, look how Avenger came out in that fight. That shit was like the Stone Age soccer mom... You know, soccer mom fighting that, 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 that Sajara Eubanks is completely beyond, you know, so, uh, just feel like there's a lot of value on it. Will she win? I can't say definitively, but I will pick her in the spot as an underdog. Just feel like from a betting perspective, man, you got at least a whole dollar, maybe a dollar and some change, uh, in value, you know, uh, in this fight, but we'll see, man. Like I said, I don't think Aspen's gonna fully mount her, so we're gonna really see what Aspen's got in a spot where she's got a lot to lose. Man, very interesting fight, because like you just said, uh, the
0: way Aspen Liesbitt going out there and winning these fights, she gets on top of these girls, they don't get up, and then they get vicious ground a pound on their faces. But uh, one thing about Evinger and uh, Lena Landsberg is, they're not black belts on the caliber, of Sajara Eubanks. I mean, I know people got an issue with Sajara's former coach, but the reality here is, if you trace the lineage of that black belt, it's directly from the source. That's as legit as they get. So her black belt cannot be taken for granted. It cannot be underestimated. My boy Ricardo now. So. Uh, now, now she made <laughs> she made the convenient switch to Ricardo Almeida, who also is a fucking legend. You know what I mean? So you remember when my boy Matt Hughes uh, front headlocked Ricardo Almeida back yeah. in the day?
1: Uh, UFC 117? Remember when Ricardo Ricardo Almeida and his team jumped Nate Marquardt and Pancras and stomped a set in the mat? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Giving you all history lessons on half the battle,
0: man. But, uh, look, it's going to be really interesting. I see it probably going the three-round distance. Could be wrong, but I just don't think that, like I said, I don't think it's going to be as simple as – Lad just getting on top of her, and the fight will be over shortly after. I feel like Sajar can hip escape, get the half guard, get that full guard, get back up, attack off her back, things like that. So now I'm curious to see what's going to happen on the feet because i one thing I got to say is I wasn't that impressed with Aspen Lad on the feet her last few fights. I felt like she only really turned things as soon as she got on top of her opponent. So I kind of felt like there was a lot to be desired, but at the same time, I do feel like Sajara is a little bit undisciplined and she should be down a weight class. It's just that she, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's not out here eating uh, Oreos and shit like my boy Juan Adams. But uh, I, I just, from what I've seen, man, like when you get a title fight and you miss weight for it, like how, how does that work, man? Like that that's fucked up. You know what I mean? Like you get that title fight, you do not miss weight for your title fight. That shows me unprofessionalism. Uh, uh, is asking discipline? <laughs> I mean, at least when she was eating cheeseburgers, she didn't even attempt to weigh in. You know what I'm saying, bro? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I do agree with Shaq that it should be lined a little bit closer, but I'll just go with the size of Aspen Ladd to win the decision here, even though size is not a skill. <laughs> so we'll see what the fuck happens. Next up in the lightweight division, we got Davi Hamo. She's 9-2, and two, and Austin Hubbard is 10-2. and two. Currently they got Davy Hamosh minus 470. The comeback on Austin Hubbard is plus 375. Hey, much respect to Austin Hubbard for signing on the dotted line, for accepting this fight against Davy Hamosh in his UFC debut. Now the question is, uh do you think the Colorado wrestler has what it takes to fend off uh, one of the best submission artists in the history of the sport?
1: Austin Herbert's a nice kid. He trains at a, at a good camp with Gaethje and the Dihydroxy-LGD-4033 guy, you know, Magni and Blades and all those guys. Trent comes from a good camp. Dobby Ramos We've been doing this thing. We know that... Uh, He's one of the best jujitsu guys in the sport. Seems like he's getting better every fight. And, you know, a lot of people think that Hubbard might be able to survive this jujitsu storm. Like, you know what it takes to survive that jujitsu storm? I mean, look, if Davi gets on, on your back with three minutes left in the round, the shit's over, bro. <laughs> like, I, I mean, Gritz, yeah, Gritzmacher's, okay, but Gritzmacher's, you know, 13-2. and two. People, A lot of people sleep on Gritzmacher's skills. He's actually uh, a fairly skilled fighter, man. And, uh, yeah, Davi struggled in that fight, but, hey, he went through adversity, and he still got his rear naked choke right, uh, right away in that third round. So that shows me the guy ain't no... Uh, You know, one of these quitting Brazilians that's (laughs) looking for, uh, because he had every opportunity to do it in that fight. And I had seven units on him against Gritzmacher. And, yeah, he was giving me a little sweat here and there. But, uh, I mean, he still finished him. So props to Davi. And, uh, you know, submitting Nick kind in the first round. Very impressive. And Hubbard, you know, I feel like Hubbard's going to be there for Davi to shoot on because he's not really the most aggressive guy out there, man. The guy's very calm. He likes to point fight. Uh, he's he's losing point fighting battles to guys like Eric Little Lee Wisely. <laughs> you know, he's getting uh, tapped. Don't he get tapped out by some guy? What's the guy's name? In
0: 2016.
1: Uh, yeah, he got tapped out in 2016 by a guy that's not named Davi Ramos. Imagine if Davi Ramos, uh, you know, got that. So I feel like Davi he, he just needs to play it safe like how he's been doing come out here take this kid down and the fight will be over soon uh soon after
0: yeah look i mean i'd be most worried if austin hubbard you know had this big power standing or this or that but the reality is he's a point fighter i mean it's fun to watch him fight you know it took him until the fifth round to get to finish his last fight and besides that he doesn't finish any fights i feel like uh not only have I seen the openings for Davi Hamosh to get Austin Hubbard down, I mean, I see guys taking Austin Hubbard's back on the rig. I see guys taking him down on the rig. I see guys outworking him, and it's like – you know, Joe Schmo might not be able to fucking choke you out, but I guarantee you Davi Homers takes your back. You don't even need his both his hooks in, man. I mean, this shit will be over. This is this is gonna be a wrap, man. I mean look, people are saying, Oh, but if if Austin just survives the first round as if it's as if Davi's just gonna hand him the win on a silver platter in the second round and like that's just the most oh, – I can't say the – that's the most dumb thing I've ever heard because it's like, when have you seen Davi Hamos you quit? You didn't see the Serginho <laughs> fight? Like, the dude throws bombs and we act like you – know, people act like, oh, he's only got jujitsu. I mean, have you seen the kind of bombs this guy throws on the feet? Obviously, I'd prefer for him to get it to the map, but the guy – he, if you he Look, if Davi wants to come out here and test his stand-up against Austin Hubbard, I'm not convinced Austin is just going to jab his face off or anything like that. But, you know, if, if I if I were to bet on Davi, I'd prefer just go out there, grab the leg, take him down, take his back, choke him out. So no matter what, I see da- Davi Hamos choking out Austin Hubbard. And, I mean, who else do you see going from a fucking Kimura attempt to a back take to a rear naked choke like he did against Nick Hine? Who else do you see entry that duck under to the back take against Gritzmacher to the rear naked choke and these aren't just regular Mata Leon rear naked chokes these are the kind where if you don't tap yeah you're gonna go to sleep but if you don't tap your fucking neck is gonna explode you know what I'm saying your eyes are gonna pop out of your head I mean this guy has a goddamn vice grip and uh, some of the best jujitsu I've ever seen in the history of the sport so I got Davi Hamosh via submission here and it's gonna probably hopefully be submission Davi's of the night
1: gonna put on a nice jiu uh jiu show for the fans of rochester the jiu-jitsu community <laughs> is going to be talking about davi
0: Hamosh <laughs> on sunday uh, and monday and the weeks <laughs> the following and props to us to austin hubbard look man the guy's got balls taking this fight he'll be back i think he will actually go on to win a couple ufc fights but it's time to get choked out here next up in the lightweight division we got charles du bronx olivera he's 26 and 8 and nick the Carney Lentz is 39 and 2 Currently they got Charles Dubronx Oliveira minus three fifty five. The comeback on Nick the Carney Lentz is plus two ninety five. Well, Shaq, you've seen these guys fight twice already. And it's funny because people are like, Why is Charles Oliveira fighting Nick Lentz again? And I, I have a feeling that people asking that question never saw the first two fights because the first fight, to this day, is one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. I fucking love that first Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz fight. Huh? like my boy uh like my boy Deontay Wilder always said, is, uh, is Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz still one of your favorite fights, Dan? To this day. To this day. You know what I mean? That fight is fucking amazing. Then, then they run it back in the rematch in Brazil. Nick Lentz is sick. He's got Mike Dolce with him. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He can barely hang on. And they still get fight of the night. Now Nick Lentz got the chance to go up to 155 pounds and he's been looking the best he ever has. Got that big upset over Scotty Holtzman. Do you think he has what it takes to go out there and uh, win the trilogy against Charles DuBronx Oliveira?
1: Both these guys, man, are kind of very similar, man. they kind of been on uh, similar press. Charles probably kind of to a greater extent just because he's ranked inside the top 11 or 12 and Lentz is still on the outside looking in but uh both these guys started at 55s I mean both these guys been around for a long time we're talking about like Charles got wins over uh you know Efrain back in the day like remember how long ago that was Nick Lentz beat Tyson Griffin back in the day like they've been around for that long and to see him still doing good is uh very impressive man uh, Lentz has quietly gone like what 14 and 6 in the UFC Charles I mean, the most submissions, the most performance bonuses in the UFC history. So, both these guys are what we like to call mini-legends. Charles might get into the Hall of Fame, man, if he keeps getting all these subs, man. Uh, The greatest submission artist the sport has ever seen. So, as far as how they match up, the first fight, like you said, you know, a lot of people are under the assumption that, you know, Charles is about to come out here, one takedown, and that's going to be it, you know, which it could be, I mean, his jujitsu is that good, I mean, if Lance makes a mistake and he gets his back, I mean, that could be it, 100%, but, I mean, he's shown in these two fights that Lance is actually willing to go in his guard, and, like, and he's actually, like, kind of out grappled him in a sense man in that second fight uh in the second round man he was all up in his guard passing from you know full guard to to side control I mean Lentz was playing with fire and he was doing pretty well but uh eventually Charles got that dangle and uh that was it man but like you said Lentz was with that fraud Mike Dolce uh If y'all don't know Mike Dolce, man, that guy, uh, God have mercy. He likes to make guys cut, like, 30 pounds the day before the fight and then come in, like, super bloated. And, uh, you know, it worked for a stretch of time, but then it didn't work. You know, so uh, then uh, no one uses him anymore (laughs) except Mursad Bektik actually. Except that fraud Ronda Rousey. (laughs) Yeah, Ronda Rousey. But uh, yeah, so I feel like Lens. if there is a guy that's, you know, not necessarily over when they hit the mat with Charles, I feel like Lens could kind of fall into that category even though he's been submitted twice. But I just, I do feel like Lens could have better success uh, in the grappling compared to a Jim Miller, Clay Guida. Uh, Christos Christos Giagos. you know what was actually surprising about that fight is you know Christos actually stuffed a lot of his takedowns and Charles I feel like a lot of people are under the assumption that uh you know Charles is his stand-up's gotten a lot better yeah his stand-up's gotten a lot better but we have to say to an extent (laughs) after because there he still shows signs where you hit this guy one good time on the chin you know he might uh (laughs) or on the stomach he might uh flop to his back and you know his last fight in Brazil let's just put it this way yeah, he won that fight fair and square, but there were some moments, uh, it, let's just, if they weren't in Brazil, if they were in Vegas, he would have had to fight a little sooner, that point probably wouldn't have been taken, even though Taymor did, uh, dig in there without eye poking. my boy Nick Lentz knows about Taymor's, uh, Taymor's eye pokes as well, as his, his weasel tactics didn't work, that, didn't work that night, but, uh, man, it's gonna, you know, I feel like Charles can still show signs of, uh, Looking for ways out, you know, like uh, old Charles. And I know Lentz doesn't have that issue. So I do feel like it's lined a little bit too wide. I feel like Nick Lentz, although he, uh, you know, has gotten a lot older over the years, man, he's still evolving. His stand-up has gotten a lot better. I mean, you take a look at his last fight, Scott Holtzman. A lot of people were counting him out in that fight. Holtzman was looking the best he ever has. Look at Holtzman. He's a hockey player. He's big. He's strong. He's got knockout power. That was a real test to see uh, how far Lentz's stand-up has come. And I mean, he was catching Holtzman with high kicks. He was switching his stance. His boxing looked better. He definitely completely gassed out in the third round, but, uh, I mean, Holzman's a big, big motherfucker, man. So I feel like Lentz is actually, I don't want to say shown more improvement, but uh, I feel like it's more real improvement. I feel like Charles can resort resort back to some of his old tendencies if you push him, you know. And, uh, man, I feel like it could be lined a little closer. I feel like if you bet Charles you're about to be in for a little scare because... uh, not another thing we haven't mentioned is uh, Charles has been tapped out too. And, uh, you know, by what those two times? Guillotines. <laughs> you know who's got a really good guillotine? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Lentz. But Charles has been in that guillotine a couple times. He, he knows what it's like. So, you know, I'm a going to pick Charles in this fight. But from a betting perspective, it's on Nick Lentz or pass because... When you know when you wanna you got a big payout, at least you got a guy who's familiar with it, who's been in there two times, not a, a Tamore who we don't know like uh, about his grappling, not a Christos kiagos not a a Jim Miller Clay Guida who's been tapped out ten times again. Who a, lost a round to BJ Penn.
0: <laughs> who in lost a round BJ
1: Penn. So Charles Oliveira's little streak here kinda is kinda inflated. I feel like Glenn's has had a tougher path, you know, a little and recently. He did kinda beat Gray Manor though. Yeah, he fucking great it up. But, I mean, I'm saying, like, he fought Islam. He fought fucking sure. Holtzman. He fought fucking Taymor. And Taymor got away with his weasel tactics. There, Charles man. fought Taymor, too. Yeah. Um, he fought him in Brazil, man. Fucking that fight should not have been stopped. Like Charles, after the first eye poke, then the, uh, they, they exchange again, and then Charles is like, uh. <laughs> like. But uh, I'm gonna pick Charles. I feel like it's gonna be hard for Lenz. With all that being said, I feel like it's gonna be hard for Lenz to not make that one mistake because, like we saw in the second fight, even after a dominant second round that Nick Nick had, he came out there, left his ne- his neck in there for just a little second, and Charles pulled off a dangle, man. So. You gotta be on your p's and q's, but uh, I feel like it could get sketchy. But I'm gonna take Charles by third round submission. It's a
0: great fight, man. I'm really excited for it. Like I already said, their first two fights were fight of the night. I don't think that this one's gonna be any exception. Maybe this one's gonna be submission of the night. But bottom line, I feel like Nick Lentz is super underrated. Most of the time, people have some impression that he's on his way out or this or that, and I kind of disagree. I mean, I I, I know that he kind of has had a long career but i feel like he's a bit rejuvenated since he moved up to 55 so i felt like that cut to 45 took so much out of him and since he moved up i mean you saw him finish will brooks you saw him beat scotty so the knockout of gray Mandard, i know it's great but hey he handled him accordingly you saw my boy nick lens go out there with a head kick knockout often do you see that right so it's good to see Nick Lentz performing uh, to the best of his abilities these days. And with Charles Bronx Oliveira, i got to give him a lot of credit too because you guys know how suspect uh, he is at times where, you know, faking injuries in fights and if he can't get his initial submission, uh, you know, he'll, he'll cover up, let you pound him out. You attack him with a sub, you'll tap right away. But man, I feel like he has been uh, making improvements, you know. You could say, well, he hasn't really been pushed, but man, in that Tamor fight, there were definitely spots where Charles could have packed it in and been like, you know what, live to fight another day. Those eye pokes were deep into the eye socket. Uh, I mean, is a dirty Euro, man. Like, that shit was like, oh my God, bro. Like, could you believe, like, the extent? So Charles looked a lot better on the feet his last fight. That's something that you can tell he's been working on. It's just about what's going to happen when he gets into that back-and-forth fight again. This could be that spot but somewhere along the way, I do think that Charles gets the sub. But it's interesting because Nick knows him very well. Nick's been in there with him twice. Nick could have the right game plan to come out here and beat this guy. And the reason you can't ever bet the house on a guy like Charles Oliveira is because he is a habitual stunt puller. He's also got the most subs in UFC history, so he might go out there, add to that list, and just continue his record. The guy is that much of a badass. but And that's on his best day, but on his worst day, it's... It's catastrophic stunts. It's like, oh, my God, Charles, you know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. But I'm going to go with Charles uh, Oliveira to submit Nick Lentz for the third time here. Hey, guys, Dan here. Just wanted to remind you that Kyle Marley's bets are available at bestfightpicks.com. As you guys already know, in the midst of that 200-unit run, one unit equals $100 for Kyle Marley. So at UFC Ottawa alone, he goes out there and has a 28-unit win on the event. Now, just think about this for a second. He's charging 7 dollars for his yearly package. He just won 28 units at UFC Ottawa. 28 units. That's 28 k You pay off the yearly package with that event alone, and you still have $2K left over. You let me know if that's worth it or not. He's got monthly packages, yearly, or the event itself, all available at bestfightpicks.com. Kyle Marley's bets. Make sure you tail them. Bestfightpicks.com. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Vicenti the silent assassin Luki he's 15 and 6, and Derek Krantz is 24 and 10. Currently, they got Vicente Luki minus 700. The comeback on Derek Krantz is plus 500. Shaq, I know you remember Derek Krantz from Fightville. I mean,
1: talk about a guy that's paid his dues. The only thing that sucks is uh, <laughs> he's getting rewarded with a canvas map. We'll, we'll just keep this one short and quick. I, I, I'm glad to see my boy D Rock in the UFC. He paid his dues 24 and 10. Like you said, he was in Fightville. Uh, he's taken some naps to Korskov, I know you remember that nap in Bellator, but the guy at least earned his spot to uh, enough to get a contender series. So we got a, a lot of respect from my boy Derek Krantz. But unfortunately, I mean, he should honestly like after this, they should let him and Magny just run it in the back because uh, unfortunately, Krantz has to take the fall for what Magny uh, what Magny did for taking dihydroxy dash LGD forty thirty three. You know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Krantz has to take the fall for that. That so.
0: Magny's out here <laughs> injecting needles in his ass, and Derek Krantz has to get KO. It's like I feel I'm, I'm gonna send my boy Derek Krantz a
1: gift basket. I just hope that Krantz. Look, if you go down to the mat, don't try to fight back. Don't try to get back up. Don't try to fight. Just come in here, take your nap, or your take a knee. Just let's limit the damage you take in here and uh come back for a better fight, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe they could do D Rock transfers BJ Penn or some <laughs> shit, you know what I'm saying? But uh look Vicente Luque is an unbelievable fighter, especially now, he's really come a long way. And the dude, that left hook is so nasty. I mean, he was landing knockout blows on Barbarana's chin. And for whatever reason, Barbarana wouldn't go down to that third round until he had to start getting the knees involved. The left hook that puts everyone else down, the left hook that put Nico Bryce, Bilal, all these other guys down, it wasn't good enough to put Barb's insane chin down. So we had to resort to the knees. I mean, on the mat. I mean, talk about serious jujitsu i mean this guy vicente Luque. after he landed all those knockout blows on barbarena's chin then it was barbarena's turn to answer back he drops vicente Luque, and it's like at that point you could have been like holy shit like vicente is about to pull a stunt well two seconds later vicente takes his back and almost chokes him out so i'm very impressed with vicente Luque. i think he's a top 10 guy right now and uh i got so much respect for kranz he will be back but I just hope it's not too vicious, man. Because you remember the last time someone took a short notice fight against uh, Vicente. You remember what happened to Jalen Turner. I just hope this isn't that situation. Uh, man, I hope it's an early stoppage. You know what I mean? Let's just let's just leave it at one, that.
1: One knockdown and let's stop. it.
0: Exactly. Let's get let's intervene, ref. Please do not let Dan Mergliotta <laughs> ref this fight. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Megan Anderson. She's eight and three, and Felicia Spencer is six and zero. Oh. Currently, they got Megan Anderson minus one seventy five. The comeback on Felicia Spencer is plus one fifty five. Shaq, you uh, running to the window to lay this minus one seventy five on Megan Anderson? Look,
1: I get it. She's hot, but like y'all know, this girl got finished by Cindy Dandwa. Right? (laughs) Something to say? Look, you get finished by Cindy Dandwa. I don't know if y'all seen Cindy fight before, but uh, it's a it's a sight to see. But Felicia Spencer... Real quick, y'all got to go watch
0: my girl Cindy Danwa versus... Uh, what was the fight? Alexis Davis
1: in Nashville? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Y'all got to see Cindy
1: Danwa versus Alexis
0: Davis. Thank me later.
1: Megan got finished by that girl. So after you uh, go watch, that's the girl you're uh, paying minus 175 for. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, Megan's got the experience for sure. I've always said that if she figures things out, she's got a great frame. She's six foot. She's big. I mean... She's got a good coaches. She trains with Kraus and them. So, uh... I mean, the thing is, it's kind of still hard to say where she's really at because, you know, the Zangano fight didn't only lasted about a minute. And then the Holly Holm fight, you know, that was a stunning, in quite honestly, she wasn't ready for that, man. She's coming in from Invicta to fight Holly Holm, who's number one, two, you know, in the world. She belongs nowhere in the cage of So it's still kind of hard, in my opinion, to gauge where Megan's at. I feel like if you're betting on her as a favorite, it's kind of more of a projection. Yeah, I feel like she does have potential with that big, long frame, but uh, still, who knows, man? <laughs> Like I feel like it's uh a little sketchy, man. Spencer's got the clear path to victory with the wrestling. Uh I mean we saw Holly Holm take down Anderson very easily. Um I don't know, man. I feel like the betting perspective is dog or Pass, so I'm gonna go with Felicia Spencer, man. I think uh think I just feel like how how can you be so confident on Megan, man? She has she's only fought like two times in the last three years. Uh, like I said, the last fight was really short. gano's on her way out. Uh, Katsungano, I mean, look, Katsungano turns, like, when she moves, she turns, like, sideways, so that's the reason why uh, that toe got in her eye, I mean, it's a KO in my book, for sure, but uh, we still don't know enough about Megan, man, so I'm gonna go with the dog here, I'm gonna go with Spen- uh, Spencer via wrestling, via ugly, ugly, ugly fight, you know, uh, like I said, minus 175 on a girl that lost to Cindy Dandwa, but uh, Spencer's not that impressive, I just feel like uh, she's got the wrestling the path to victory, so I'll go with her.
0: Yeah, she definitely does have the path to victory with the wrestling, but, you know, this ain't no Kayla Harrison, or, not that Kayla's, you know, but I got Kayla over Megan easily, (laughs) like, easily, but, you know, this this ain't no credential this or that, D1, I mean, she's allegedly a black belt, but I see her going for takedown, she can't get it, she flops to her back. So it's gonna be interesting. How much has Megan Anderson progressed? That's the real question here. Is she has she learned from that uh Holly Holm fight, you know, has she addressed her mistakes, put that work in on the mat, or is she one of those people that only trains her striking, thinks that going to the ground is, you know, does she have that Melender opinion of the ground game? I really don't know. She's definitely a head case. I mean, she's out there calling out reporters and shit. It's like what well, what are you doing? Go focus on your fight. <laughs> but uh Man, that size advantage, six foot one. I kind of have this impression or this feeling that Felicia might kind of be a soccer mom. You know, she might be along the lines, maybe a little bit better than a Peggy Morgan or a Jessamine Duke, but not that much. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Megan Anderson to win this fight. But is it going to surprise me if Felicia. Is actually better than I think she is and goes out there and wrestles someone with zero wrestling. No, it's not, but I think that Sean and Mick kind of gauged where Megan was at. They realized they didn't have anyone on the roster that she could probably beat fair and square, so they, they called someone up from Invicta, come in, take this L, because when Megan does win fights, she tends to finish these girls. You know, she's six foot one, she's got that massive frame, and you know, girls aren't used to going against chicks uh, that size, so. Listen, I have no idea what's going to happen in this fight. I'm not even going to bullshit you guys, but I'm going to pick uh, Megan Anderson to win this one. Co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. Shit's about to get real, Shaq, because we got the return of Antonio Carlos Jr. He's 10-2, and he's taking on Ian Heinish, who is 12-1. Currently... They got Antonio Carlos Jr., minus 165. The comeback on Ian Hynish is plus 145. Well, Shaq, you already know Antonio Carlos Jr., one of the best black belts in the UFC middleweight division, but Ian Hynish takes his UFC debut on short notice against another black belt, a third-degree black belt, and Cesar Mutanchi in Argentina goes out there and wins the decision. So, Shaq, I got to know, who you got, Carlos Jr. or Heinish?
1: Yeah, it's a good fight. I'm, I'm glad to see Heinish uh, getting this push, man. For your second UFC fight, getting a top 15 guy, uh after i mean when you beat cesar ferrer thirty twenty seven, when you beat a man
0: in a stare down and he never oh, hear yeah. from him oh, ever yeah. again it's two and oh
1: actually man uh he beat tom breeze on that stare down anyone heard from Tom since?
0: He got knocked out
1: on the stage <laughs> he and broke him uh backstage so anyways yeah carlos jr been doing this thing um like you said great black belts got the wins over vittori tim Bosch, marshman uh, spicy, uh, spicy. Um, you know. So yeah, he's definitely been doing his thing. Um, but has he really been tested to the extent that he's about to get tested? In my opinion, not really, man. Those fights have kind of been breeze buys. You know, Marshman's got no ground game. You know, Marshman's about to get smoked here in a few weeks uh, against my boy, Edmund Shabazian. Then you got uh, Tim Bosch How many times has Tim been submitted for me? Over five, six, seven, eight. How old is Tim? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tim's been tapped out several times, and Tim comes in for his, you know, 80 and 80. Well, you know, 80 plus the 20, that's 100. He comes in for his 100, you know, once a year, man. You know, he's got to get paid. And then... uh you know, the Vittori fight was a good fight, you know, it was back and forth, Vittori had a good second round, Carlos Jr. controlled him with his jiu-jitsu the first and third rounds, but you know, to say that Carlos Jr. is going to get on top of Ian and that's going to be it, I-, I disagree 100%, man, I feel like hanish has got a lot of experience against black belts, yeah, he got tapped out by Mal- by uh, Maluco Perez, but uh, I mean, let's be honest here, I, I know Carlos Jr. is uh, a way higher level black belt than Maluco, but He's not gonna attempt a move like that. You know what I'm saying, Maluco's. That's why they call him Maluco. You know he's a he's a nut job, man. He goes for uh, these crazy submissions, and uh, I just don't feel like Carlos Junior is gonna try that particular type move. So then uh, then he fights. Uh, he's fought Checo, who's a, a black belt. He fought Daniel Madrid, another black belt on the local scene, and uh, now he had uh, the Cesar Mutanch fight a third degree black belt, and now he's fighting another black belt. So. This guy's got experience against black belts. I feel like his wrestling is very good to counter to counter these black belts, and I feel like he's got the stand-up advantage in this particular fight. I know Carlos Jr. feels like he's feeling comfortable in his boxing these days, man. He's feeling, uh, he's he's jabbing, he's moving, uh, he's dropping his hands. He's, you know, he, he's feeling real comfortable out there, and that's granted to the work he's been putting in, man. At ATT from this fight with Dan Kelly, which was a uh, an embarrassment. I mean. To go ahead and tell him what Kelly said about him, man. He was making uh, girl sounds after the <laughs> And uh, look, he, he his jujitsu storm didn't work, and he, and he gassed he out, and he and he tired out, and he uh and and Kelly broke him in the second and third round, man, and finished him. So I feel like that is how you're gonna see Carlos Junior lose fights. Uh, he lost to Pat Cummins in a sense. He didn't really jujitsu storm him, but he was a heavyweight uh, uh two hundred five back then. But uh, I feel like Carlos Junior is also another inflated prospect in a sense. You know, I feel like. I don't want to say he's, I respect his resume. I respect the guys he's beaten, but a lot of those guys, man, just aren't on Ian's level, in my opinion. You know, I feel like this is going to be one of his tougher fights. When you talk about Ian, we're talking to a guy with that background. Mentally, he is already willing to go to a place where not too many men are willing to go. So I feel like Carlos Jr. is going to come out here with try to take Ian down, use a lot of energy. I feel like he might get him down. I mean, Cesar did take him, but we know Cesar's got one of the best blast doubles uh, in the middleweight division. He hits everyone with that blast double. But I feel like Ian's got the jujitsu to at least survive on Carlos Jr. enough for him to get back up to the feet. And when they get back up to the feet, I feel like Carlos Jr. has, I don't want to say a misconception that he can box, but uh, I feel like, you know, against the opponents he's been fighting, yeah, he'll do good there. But I feel like Heinrich is a guy that uses his feints, his fakes, his footwork. He's got good cardio. He's just well rounded. He's a dog. I feel like if he makes this a dog fight, I feel like you're going to see the Brazilian get tired. I feel like you're going to see the Brazilian gas. I feel like you're going to see the Brazilian hit the uh, Novo Uniao State. And then I feel like uh, the, the Brazilian's going to start looking for ways out. You know, I feel like Heinrich is going to break him with his volume, just his pace, his tenacity, and uh, get this upset win. Yeah, this is going to be a very
0: exciting fight. Obviously, you got to respect the jiu-jitsu credentials of Antonio Carlos Jr. I mean, the guy... He tends to finish fights when he gets guys' backs. Didn't, didn't finish my boy, uh, Dan Kelly. Didn't finish Vittoria. But look, when he goes out there and uh, he gets that back take, uh, it's a very dangerous spot. But one thing about Ian Hynish is, well, I have proof that he can survive against a high-level black belt. And, you know, people are out here saying that Carlos Jr. is better than Mutanche, And, you know, maybe we can debate that another time. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But uh, one thing you cannot debate is the resumes of Antonio Carlos Jr. and Mutantia. I mean, one guy finished Jack Hermanson. One guy finished fucking Tiago Santos, beat Anthony Smith, beat all these guys. And, you know, Carlos Jr. props to him. You know, he beat, uh... You know, he goes out there, he beat Tim Bosh and Jack Marshman, and people are acting like he's the top prospect at 185 pounds. Look, all I got to say is no guy that was making lady sounds against Dan Kelly is going to beat Ian Hynish in a battle of wills. If he goes out there and finishes him in the first round via submission, much respect to him. But I feel like Ian Hynish, he's got good submission defense. I got proof that he can defend subs against high-level black belts, and when they get back up to their feet, you know, if Carlos Jr. thinks that his boxing that worked against Laleco and, you know, all these guys, guys is going to work here he's going to be in for another thing when ian starts fainting starts getting that pressure game going and i think by the late second or third round i see ian heinish getting a tko here because this guy is as tough as they come it's all about not succumbing to that first round rear naked choke look if he does props to carlos jr i I got ian heinish to weather that early storm take over late and uh break the guy so i'm going with ian heinish to get the biggest win of his career once again main event of the evening in the welterweight division. We got Rafael Dos Años, the former UFC lightweight champion. He's 28 and 11. And Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee, is 17 and 4. Currently, they got Rafael Dos Años minus 115. The comeback on Kevin Lee is minus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, a lot of people are saying that we saw uh, Rafael lose to Kamaru, the current champ, and Colby, the interim champ. They're both wrestlers. Oh, therefore, Kevin's just going to come out here and wrestle. And let me ask you something. Does Kevin have anywhere remotely near the same style of wrestling as
1: Kamaru and Colby? Is he a pressure wrestler or is he a back taker? Like, uh, like you just said, that's the, the big misconception here. Rafael definitely lost his last two fights and he lost them fairly handedly. One thing about in those fights, man, Rafael never really wilted, though. Like, you can't say he honestly wilted and just accepted it, man. He, you know, he fought. He got up third, fourth rounds, fifth rounds. Like, took down Colby fourth that. Yeah, twice. Took, yeah, like. The Dude does not give up, man. So just just think he's gonna come out here and accept a takedown. Like I think you're definitely mis uh, mistaken. And, and Kevin Lee, like you said, he's a back taker, man. He's not a guy like Kobe and Usman. We're talking one of the best D two wrestlers. And then we're talking a Pac ten a Pac ten uh, Division one. Real quick, when you say a two for Usman, you gotta clarify that he's out there beating D one guys. Yeah, yeah he's a D two guy, but uh, so you know, well, yeah, well, Because they're gonna be like, well, Kevin's D two also. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best D. But yeah, you're talking a guy that. The, uh, Olympic, went training, to the right? Olympic training center, you know, beat world team members, this and that, so yeah. And then uh, Kevin Lee, man, he's a, he's more of a back taker. He likes to slam guys, take that back, and then start smashing their heads in. If he can get the getting them, get them flattened out, he'll get his rear naked choke or just smash them. You know, you mean to tell me this guy's about to come out here and take Rafael Dos Sanos' back? Is that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Rafael's back? you are talking a second-degree black belt? I mean, guy's been a black belt, like, since he was... A teenager, I think, like 18 years. I'll just
0: say this. If Kevin Lee submits Rafael to he's going to get promoted exactly, on the spot. Exactly,
1: exactly. So if you're relying on this guy to come out here and take a back, I feel like he's going to have to switch his grappling style up and try to control Rafael on the cage and try to do what Kobe and Usman did, which is, you know, be grimy, be, like, be grimy, uh, you know, just use that typical, uh, that typical D1 wrestler stuff, man. You know, I feel like he's going to have to switch it up. He's more of a back taker, like you said. So, you know, I feel like Kevin's issue is – at least in his fight with Ayakinta, is when he did get Ayakinta and he did take that back. The second they get back up to the feet, he's so tired. And Kevin's not like Kobe. you know. Kobe's a guy that, even though he doesn't have the best stand-up, He's just constantly moving forward, constantly just throwing pitter-patter, constantly just walking forward. You know, Rafael never got a chance to set his feet. Usman, kind of the similar thing, but just a little more physical, more African, you know what I'm saying? He's got way more muscles. He just bullies him a little bit more. Kevin's definitely big. He's got the muscles. I expect him to be feeling a lot better at 170, but uh, when they get back out in space, man, Usman and Colby, man, these guys keep it grimy. They keep it close. They keep it a a smothering type of fight, as where Kevin, you know, when he gets back out in space he starts being stiff, he starts, you know, he doesn't, he really doesn't have a good poker face, man, you hit Kevin Lee really good on that chin, he might not get knocked out, but man, he'll start uh, showing signs of determined, man, and uh, I mean, we saw that in the Ally Akinsa fight, man, he looked broken at the end of that fight, so, you know, I feel like if Dos Anjos, I mean, I I expect him to get taken down, The the big thing with Dos Anjos in this fight is not to put too much on those last two fights, you know, because there also could be a chance where, after those last two fights, that uh, it becomes a a reoccurring thing, you know, that he's always stuffing takedowns against wrestlers, and, you know, like I said, I personally don't think Kevin's got that type of grappling style, Rafael, I don't even think he's the oldest guy, I still feel like he's got the heart, I still feel like he's got the motivation, I I definitely agree that he's on the tail end of his career, 100%, I just feel like this is one of those cases where, like, I mean, I feel like it's a pick just because uh, people are saying Rafael's done, and that could definitely be the case, man, but when a guy's done, man, what I've been noticing lately is sometimes, man, there's just a different level of fighter. You know, yeah, Rafael's done, but man, he reached a status where Kevin Lee has never achieved. He's it. not a,
0: not condit done. Exactly,
1: he's not condit <laughs> exactly. done. done. Like you, you, not, not any guys are just about to come up in here and start whooping his ass. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about the champion and the number one contender. Like Kevin Lee at 55s. In my opinion, yeah, he was ranked number four when he fought out. But when we really think about it, who you got between Kevin Lee and Justin Gaethje? Come on, come on. on. Who you got between them? We already saw him fight Tony. He gassed out real quick in the first round and got tapped out when he tried to use a, a traditional grappling style and he, uh, he went in his guard. And then, uh, and then, uh, I mean, he was, he got that title shot coming off a win against Michael Chiesa. Like, Michael Kies is a nice kid, but, like, come on. He'll never sniff a title shot in his life. And then we're talking, before that, he fought Trenaldo. will never sniff a title shot in his life. Trenaldo's outside of the rankings. Kevin Lee's (laughs) been beating good fighters. Rafael's beating great fighters. Exactly. So I feel like Rafael should be a favorite here, just a little more than what they got it. But, you know, I understand. I mean, the guy is on the tail end of his career, so there's definitely that angle. But uh, I'm going to go with Rafael here. I feel like he is going to get up from the takedown. And I feel that when they get back in in space, you're going to get to finally see Rafael for the first time in a year let go of that vicious body kick, that vicious left hand, that jump knees, the low kicks. And you're going to see Kevin... Uh, continuous his is, uh tendencies of uh not being able to box with these guys man you know this guy is very chinny maybe at 170 he feels a lot better who knows there's definitely a chance but I gotta go with Dos años. I feel like he's the more complete fighter the more accomplished fighter the guy that's seen the higher level of competition the guy that's this is a step down from Kobe and Usman in my opinion but uh I feel Robbie. like Robbie Lala. Cowboy. These guys are just way bigger, man. I feel like uh Kevin Lee's just got to I know he definitely earned his spot, but I feel like he kinda got to this spot at a time where, you know, where McGregor we had McGregor out. I feel like Kevin Lee was talking a lot. He's a funny guy, you know. Uh and I feel like he got that he had the uh, the pink jumpsuit on and he told Tony, I'm gonna fuck you up, Tony. <laughs> he had the good shit with him on Fox Sports one after he uh after he beat Kiesa that night, you know. So I feel like uh he, he's also very inflated, man. But I'm going to go with Dos Anos by third round TKO. I feel like Kevin Lee's going to start strong, but I feel like the similar similar things going to happen. I feel like he's going to get blasted out when they get back uh, in space and Rafael's going to do his thing and, you know, get on the cage and cry, bring the kids in the cage. And, you know, I, I hope he – I don't want to tell him to retire because I do feel like he could still beat some guys, especially if he still wins. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like Rafael should go out on good terms while he can.
0: Yeah, look, when this fight was initially matched up, I was like, oh, Kevin Lee's just going to come out here, wrestle him. It's that simple, shot, right? And then you actually go back and you watch the tape and you see uh, Kevin Lee's last fight against the guy that got finished by Mitch Clark. And let me ask you guys something that are comparing this to Kamaru and Colby real quick. So you guys know Kamaru and Colby are cardio machines, right? And they get better as the fights go on. Well, how come... Kevin Lee was losing the championship rounds against the guy that got finished by Mitch Clark. And you're telling me that he's going to go out here and do the same thing that Kamaru and Kobe did. That sounds kind of dumb to me because first of all, let's not even talk about, you know, from our perspective, go look at the numbers. Kevin doesn't shoot anywhere near as many takedowns as Kamaru or Colby. He does not have anywhere near the work rate of those guys. Not to mention, he's not a pressure wrestler. He's a taker. He wants to stand a little bit on the feet. I mean, it's a mismatch on the feet. Kevin's I mean, Kevin's out here getting rocked by Efrain Escudero. You want to tell me that he, Leo Santos. <laughs> and he got knocked out by Leo Santos? You want to fucking tell me that he's going to go out here and outstrike RDA? Yeah, right. I mean, unless RDA is so done, which... I don't think he is. I mean, he got back up from Kamaru, who's the current champ. He got back up from Colby, who's the interim champ. He took down Colby twice in the fourth round, which means that after, you know, getting weared on by the d1 what, what is it pac-10 you know all, all that shit by getting wear down by one of the best wrestlers in the history of the sport he was still fresh enough to take him down in the fourth round you know the fourth round the round where uh kevin lee is going out there losing to ally kenta you know what i'm saying so i think rda has got a big cardio advantage in the spot i think he's got a big striking advantage in the spot i think he's got a big jujitsu advantage in the spot it just comes down to the wrestling now early in the fight Maybe there's a chance that uh, Kevin Lee takes the belt, takes the back of the second-degree black belt. And if he does, I mean, oh, that's awesome, Kevin. But if he goes out here and, like, if you choke out Rafael Dos Anos, I'll get on fucking Twitter and high-five, clap, maybe even send you something to your PayPal. You know, like, dude, he is not about to come out here and submit Rafael Dos Anos. But if he does... Much respect, dude. Like, I, I will definitely give you the credit you deserve if you go out there and do that. So so I'm wondering, okay, so are you telling me if he doesn't get that first-round sub that he's just going to come out here, take his back every single round, go out there and I win, and win the decision? So- like, <laughs> they, they think because he beat Edson Barboza, who was coming off the Khabib beatdown, that all of a sudden he's going to beat Rafael Dosan. Like, guys, what you need to understand about this is Kevin Lee's beat good fighters. So Trinaldo, good fighter. Edson Barboza, good fighter. Magomed Mustafayev, good fighter. Kiesa, good fighter. RDA is beating great fighters. Robbie Lawler, great fighter. Cerrone, Cerrone, great fighter. Benson Henderson, great fighter. Pettis at the time, great fighter. Diaz, great fighter. So, (laughs) I mean, the resumes don't even compare. It's just about if Rafael suddenly aged overnight. But I just saw him against the two champs in the division. I mean... For being so outsized, I thought he performed pretty admirably, whereas when you see Kevin Lee losing these fights, I mean, (laughs) Kevin Lee's a head case, first of all. The Leo Santos fight, which was a great stoppage, he says was an early stoppage. The Ayakinta fight, which he clearly lost, he says he clearly won. I'm like, dude like just accept the losses and move on every single time he takes an L it's always there's always an excuse behind it and every time he has a win his head completely explodes so the guy's a head case if he wins here it's because of his physicality but I just don't think he's got the cardio to push for all five rounds so for that reason I'm going Rafael Dos Anjos to be a fourth round TKO Shaq now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch so what is the fight to watch for UFC Rochester
1: my fight to watch is gonna be Nick Lens for Charles Oliveira three man you know how, how could it not be you know I feel like there's gonna be some good scrambles in there I feel like Lentz is getting a little better Charles has got a lot better so uh, we're gonna get to see man Charles has got to hold on to this top 15 spot and if Lentz can come out here and get this win that this is like the breakthrough of his career you know if he gets this win so
0: yeah I mean obviously the first two times that these two fought were fight of the night I don't expect this to be any differently I will definitely be tuning in to Charles Oliveira versus Nick Lentz for me my fight to watch is Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Ian Hinesh people are saying that the guy that beat Tim Bosch and Jack Marshman is the top prospect at 185 Pounds. Well, now he's taking on a guy who just beat another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and man, it's so intriguing because either Carlos Jr. is going to submit him in the first round or heinish is going to break him late. So for that reason, Carlos Jr. versus heinish is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Rochester?
1: My fighter to watch is going to be Rafael dos Anjos. We're talking about the first Brazilian UFC lightweight champ. A lot of people are saying he's old. A lot of people are saying he's done. A lot of people are saying he's on his way out. I disagree. I feel like you know. Just because he doesn't, you know, have the greatest personality, doesn't really talk. He does, he's really quiet. Yeah, it's always been the case. But uh, I mean, I feel like he's one of the best lightweights to ever ever uh, compete inside the UFC. The guy went up to what's welterweight, got a couple wins. So I feel like if he gets this win, a couple more wins. Goes out on good terms. We could uh, possibly be talking about a Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rafael Dos Anos, uh is definitely one of the fighters to watch, man. For me, my fighter to watch is Davi Hamush. I mean, when you talk about... When I say things like this guy might literally have the best jiu-jitsu in lightweight history, I mean, those are some big words. We're talking about BJ Penn back in the day. We're talking about guys like uh we're talking about gilbert Durinho burns who by the way davi hamosh submitted in a jiu-jitsu competition carlos diego Ferreira, even damian maya up at welterweight these are some of the greatest jiu-jitsu guys to ever compete inside the octagon i think davi hamosh is right up there i think he might even be better i think he does some very spectacular shit when fights hit the mat and uh i don't think it's going to be an exception here against uh, austin hubbard so for that reason davi hamosh is my fighter to watch shaq we did it it's going down this saturday in Rochester, New York. Uh, hopefully no crazy decisions on these scorecards. Uh, hopefully no one gets pulled out the fight a uh, day of because of this fucking <laughs> athletic for chat commission lips. <laughs> for Chavis, you know what I'm saying? So uh, man, thank you so much to all the fans for all your support. We love you guys so much. Uh, you can follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Been on the underdogs all year. And uh, plan to keep that going this weekend as well. BestFightPicks.com for that. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, and Spotify. Our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Thank you guys again very much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.